the free for all roundtable round two on round two, let's say good morning to Sunir Chaudhry, employment lawyer at Workley Law. Robert Benzie is here, Queen's Park Bureau Chief at the Toronto Star. And Richard Krause, host of the podcast, The Last Call with Richard Krause. And Robert Benzie, just to sort of close the loop on the finance minister's visit this morning, it kind of unfolded the way his press conference did yesterday. You know, everyone was like, okay, great. Yeah, finances are solid. Economy's growing. Greenbelt, greenbelt. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know what, John, I listened to your interview and I thought it was interesting. He said a lot of what he said yesterday. And I think it's because the government, even though they know and you were calling it a Greenbelt scandal, which and he didn't correct you, which I found was really interesting. Uh, <laughs> but 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 and a tell. But uh, they know it's a problem. We do, we're, we're calling it a controversy, but it, it, it may emerge uh, as more than that. And I think they're but they're running toward the fire because they're saying, look, we have a housing shortage and Many listeners are, are, are right now are probably staring at the radios thinking, I want my kid or my grandkids out of my basement so they can go have their own place. And I think that's the that's the the, the nub. And that's what Premier Ford and Minister Bethel and Falvey are kind of emphasizing. Yes, this process was flawed, deeply flawed, 93 pages worth of an auditor's general general's report flawed but they they say look we were we were in a rush to try to get this land rezoned so that houses can be built yeah see i didn't expect he was going to break cabinet solidarity but there have to be <laughs> there have to be some people maybe even yeah. off the record eventually who are going to say well you know i really hate for this government to go down on this and i'd rather not but we'll see anyway listen i don't want to relitigate the green belt we will if new facts become available let's talk about the possibility of a labor disruption um Richard or uh, Robert Turner? No, not Robert Turner. Sorry, <laughs> I made my notes. Richard Krause. <laughs> um, the possibility is there that we could have some mm -hmm. labor disruption when it comes to schools. We're still well away from that. They haven't even taken a strike vote yet, and both sides are still talking. Um, but it's an easy way to frighten parents as they get ready to send their kids back that the kids may be sent home. It sure is. And as I was sitting listening to the news over the last couple of days about this, I thought, have I transported back in time? Yes. Uh, to, you know, just like with, it, with less than a year ago when we were having these exact same conversations. And I just think that if I was a parent with some kids that were getting ready to go back to school, I would be throwing my hands up in frustration, not only uh, because of the potential, and it is just a potential now, uh, that our lives are going to get upended. Uh, once again, we've got to figure out, you know, what to do with the kids if they can't go to school. But more than that, uh, the kids uh, who were taken out of school during the pandemic weren't, you know, socialized properly, weren't given the opportunity to be around a lot of other kids for long periods of time. And now to hit them with this, oh, yeah, we might not be going back in September uh, would just be soul destroying to me. I think it's wrong. I know that there are huge issues here, but if we could do this somehow through negotiation without a work stoppage uh, would be the, the best thing, because I, I hate to sound like this, but let's think about the kids. You know, let's think about the kids and, and uh, their, the effect that this will have on them. Yes, and Ira, I suspect that most parents are fairly supportive of teachers as teachers and the people they leave their kids with, not terribly excited about the possibility of a disruption. Of course not, John. But, you know, I heard uh, Minister Lecce on Jim's show yesterday, and I know you played a clip uh, of it this morning as well. And I thought he made a really compelling argument. While 
the provincial government probably lost uh, some trust last year with its really tough negotiation style in 2022. I, I think Minister Lecce coming out saying, you know, our, our educators are among the highest paid in Canada, best pension plan. I mean, most people in the private sector have no clue what a pension even is. You get to retire as a teacher. Most of us are wondering if we even get to retire. So I think what the, the points that he made were excellent. And I think he probably uh, even got a lot of people thinking about turning to teaching uh, in Ontario. So I think Minister Lecce is doing a good job um, about talking if, if this is really coming down to, to the finances, I really think that if the government decides to hold firm here, which it's it seems like they're at the table, but they want to hold firm a bit. I mean, I, th- I think they're they're doing a really good job of, of getting parents on their side. Okay, and uh, Richard Krauss is not wrong, and the, the education minister is not wrong. Robert Benzie, I'm actually looking at teacher salaries in the U.S. I don't think anybody wants to teach in Alabama, but they make uh, 48000 Even in California, liberal California, um, an average salary is 78000 no, I mean, yeah, there's no question that teachers are, are well paid, and I think that's the government's uh, contention. But the teachers would argue that their salaries are not keeping up with inflation, which is, you know, more than 2% uh, right now. So I think it's, 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 it's a lot of saber rattling right now from the unions and from uh, the minister. And I think that's posturing. And I think that's also part of the process. I really hope that parents listening don't think that strikes are imminent because I'm not really sure that they are. I, yeah. I heard I heard one of the teachers unions were saying stuff like, oh, it's like Mike Harris all over again. And I'm like, no, it is not. It is not at all like that. That government in the 1990s uh, wanted a fight with teachers unions. This government does not. And and I think the fact that Stephen Lecce was out with Jim Richards yesterday, he's been talking to my colleagues as well, um, that he they know they've got to communicate better and they've got a they've got a story that they want to tell and the and look the unions are 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 in their right to ask for more money that's why they are that's why they exist i'm in a union i know what that's about but i think you have to be careful um uh, about the rhetoric is that this is not the 1990s it just isn't yeah and i I agree entirely that uh, at a lot of public sector union headquarters they have this vault full of hyperbole and then you know then they just break (laughs) it open uh let me ask you about whether or not toronto is genuinely a tourism draw because i guess Mm. it's going to be another one of those existential crises because we have (laughs) not bounced back to 100 percent of the number of visitors that we had in 2019, while Montreal has. Let me start with the guy who's sort of, you know, our our culture and pop expert, and we can make you a tourism expert as well. Richard Krause, I think there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of attractions here to show people, but maybe it's only if they're coming to visit you in the first place. I think that's probably true. I, you know, we're comparing Toronto to Montreal. I was just in Montreal a week or so ago, uh, and it's vibrant. It's back. The festivals uh, were happening. There's, you know, it seems like there's a new festival there every day uh, somewhere in the city, uh, and they were packed. Everywhere I went was busy. It felt alive. Um, you know, in the last uh, couple of months, I've been to London, Dublin, New York. All of those cities felt uh, different than Toronto does now. Toronto hasn't bounced back quickly. It 
it's not just because of tourism or because of business travel. I think Torontonians have been slow to re-embrace the city and go out and actually use the city uh, in a big way. Um, Taste of the Danforth gets people out. Uh, The Barbie movie has gotten people out. But by and large, uh, look for a place to go have lunch, a restaurant. You won't find any or very many, uh, comparatively speaking to what uh, the city was like before the pandemic, because most of them are closed. They can't get staff. They can't get customers at lunch. Um, The city has not bounced back. And I'm not exactly sure why that is. Um, We've got things for people to do. It's a great city, but I think uh, bad press and people after the pandemic being used to just staying at home and creating new uh, ways of living for themselves. uh, I think that's probably it. But we have to get people out and get them downtown. Otherwise, this city is going to wither and die. Well, Robert Benzie, it's tough not to be loved. But I mean, even pre-pandemic, we would have 5 million visitors a year and Montreal would have 11. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I agree with Richard. People need to get back to the office. Go yeah. not not just on not just on Wednesdays. You know what I mean? Like go yeah. back to the office Monday to Friday. Go out for lunch. Go to the path. Uh, patronize the shops that are in those uh, underground places underneath the towers that are basically empty right now. People need to to get back at it now. In terms of tourism, John, I would I would uh, I mean I've never really I love Toronto. I love living here. I think it's one of the greatest places in the world to live. But I've never quite understood an American tourist. Country coming to visit Toronto when Montreal <laughs> is at least seems exotic because of the language, the architecture, the history. It's an older city than Toronto. Um, Toronto is a wonderful, modern North American city. But if I was coming from Houston, Texas or Chicago, I'm like, well, what's what's Toronto offer me that I can't get at home? And I think that's that's a problem. But I think R- Richard nails it, though. I think we 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 need to lead by example. A lot of the t- tourism uh, ads that the government's put on are actually for domestic consumption. They're to get people to spend money in their own community. And I think that's what people need to do. They need to get out and about, not just at Taste of the Danforth, not just for Barbie or Oppenheimer, just to, just to be out and, and be in the city and enjoy it. Okay, listen, I want to cover a few more topics, and uh, I'll start with you on this one, Sanira. There is an old Irish pub uh, on Church and Girard, I think it is, and they're holding out. They haven't sold to condo developers. Now, it could be argued they're just waiting for the right price, but they insist that it's an institution and they want to stay in business. So are they brave or fools? Oh, I think they are brave, and I certainly hope they hold out. John, I mean, this McVeigh's pub, I've been there. It was an uh, it was the unofficial after party at, at, at the firm I previously worked at, uh, and it was a great time. I think it's – and it's a beautiful building. This is a building that goes back to the 1880s. And, you know, we've kind of touched on it already today, but Toronto doesn't have a lot of historic architecture. This is a beautiful building. So them holding out, if they can, where a lot of – great establishments have already had to shutter for these, you know, condos to be built. We're we're getting so far away from what makes Toronto charming and beautiful. If we're just modernizing um, the city in every nook and cranny with another skyscraper, Toronto is just slowly losing its charm. So I think this is a wonderful story for for the holdout. Richard Krause, you've been on a pub crawler too. Have you darkened this place's door? (laughs) Absolutely, I have. (laughs) uh, Yeah, Uh, I love this place. I love that they're doing this. I love that the Rex Hotel on Queen 
Queen Street, uh, not far, John, from where you're sitting right now, uh, is steadfast in uh, its uh, manner of uh, saying, we're going to stay open. We're going to present live jazz seven days a week. We are going to operate the way we've always operated. And it's these places and not the uh, thousand uh, chain coffee shops and you know big box stores that give a city uh, a real vibrancy and a real sense of its own character. And we need places like McVeigh's uh, and the Rex and the local on Roncesvalles and you know any number of other places that I can think of uh, that have been around for a long time that are woven into the fabric of the city. We need those places. We don't need uh, another chain coffee store in their place. Thanks a lot for this. Good to have you all. Robert Benzi, Sanira Chaudhary, Richard Krause, Bob Reed in for Jerry Agar next. I'll check in with Jerry again today because I know people, I mean, if you listen to Jerry, you love Jerry. So you want to know how he's doing and when he's coming back. Um, that's it for me. Thanks to Nick Mariano and Joe Cristiano. Great show. Well done, guys. And we'll see you tomorrow morning. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.